so it's like a bunch of like behind the scenes like interviews with other people mm-hmm. and it's just like like the subtitles mm-hmm. but not actually what they said mm-hmm. and it's like Shaggy only used 0.01% of his power to make Scooby Doo like <laughs> I can't oh jesus I'll send, you have to send it to I'll me. send you guys memes perfect I'll send y'all Shaggy memes I met Matthew Lillard is he a gem He's pretty, yeah, he's pretty great. I he kind of has no chin. He surprisingly has a chin, though. Oh. So, it was, I worked at the Aveda Institute, mm-hmm. and I was doing the coffee run for the day, mm-hmm. and went down there and ordered my nine coffees, or however many I had to get, and I see this man sitting over at the window, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> No. And then, as I'm waiting for my coffee, I wandered over and I was like, quick question. Has anybody ever told you you look a lot like Matthew Lillard? He goes, that's weird, because I am. (laughs) And I was like, oh, wow, hi. I hope you're enjoying your coffee. And then he laughed and he was like, yeah. And I introduced myself and... You know, I took a picture with him mm-hmm. on my shitty flip phone and then got back to, got back to Aveda with coffee and I was like, I just met Matthew Lillard and everyone was like, what? Where? <laughs> At Starbucks and there were a ton of students that just hauled ass <laughs> the two blocks down the street to oh, go no. see Matthew Lillard, but he had left. Oh, okay. So I was like, oh, suckers, that's what you get for sending out... Sending me out to get all your goddamn goddamn coffee. coffee for the day. So yeah, it was good. It was really interesting. He was a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. He seems oh. he seems it. Hi hi hello, hello there. <laughs> Didn't see you. Didn't see you there. How you how you doing? Oh, I have a funny story about that. Kind of about that. So I was on the bus. This was ages ago. Mm-hmm. Before no, I knew Danny, but we weren't like dating or anything. Wait, hold on. I'm Kiana. You're you're Kiana. <laughs> you're Cassie. I'm Cassie. Danny's here. Danny's here. Sound engineer. Our editor extraordinaire. Okay, back to your story. Okay, back to my story. Commercial break ended. Commercial break. Um. Okay, so I'm on the bus. I'm going from my job to downtown. We're I'm meeting up with a bunch of Danny and a bunch of other people to get drinks and go dancing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I get on the bus. And this man gets on the bus at, like, the next stop, and he sits down in front of me and turns around and goes, Shoddy, what your name is? <laughs> and I went, nope. <laughs> and he went, but, and I went, uh-uh. <laughs> and he went, what the? And I said, not happening. And then he walked to the back of the bus. <laughs> I told Danny that, and for the longest time, every time she'd see me, and she'd be like, "Shawty, what's your name?" Is <laughs> <laughs> and it was just the best. Uh, anyway, that's side story, fun stuff. Uh, on top of your anecdote, I'm gonna add. I, I'm gonna play another card. Lay it on me. So I was driving to softball practice once, mm-hmm. and I was 17 mm-hmm. at the time, and my windows were down. Hot summer day, softball sure, sure. season. And a really guy tearing it up in two thousand 
nine or no two, oh god <laughs> no 2014 no 15? i was older than that. Um, <laughs> 2013 so close okay oh god okay it hurts <laughs> <laughs> um my window was uh, both my windows were down and i was at a red light in a turning lane mm-hmm. and a man pulls up in the lane next to me in the straightaway but he's also uh-huh. at a red light and he starts yelling into my car <gasps> no <laughs> and i he was like hey Hey, hey, and I was, was ignoring him because I was like, we don't acknowledge catcalling, <laughs> especially in cars. And he, but he was just insistent. And so I just looked over and I was like, what, what could you possibly want? And I'm livid because I'm like, this is, disg- I'm being this objectified. <laughs> and he yells, yo girl, why are you sitting so close to the steering wheel? <laughs> I was like, uh, what? Because I'm short. <laughs> and my light turned green and I just drove off. Old ass out of there. I was oh like, my that was embarrassing. <laughs> That's the funniest thing. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> good times, kids. Good yeah. times. Um, like, okay. Who, where, where are we? What are we doing? We're- this is uh, That Broad's Got Moxie. You're here. We're here. We're talking about badass ladies. Yes. Mine, my lady today is not a bad person. I mean, mine's not a bad person either. Okay. But she's pretty incredible. Mine is so incredible and I'm going to scream at the end. Oh, no. At the injustice. (laughs) Oh, me too. (laughs) Oh, my God. Guys, this episode is all about injustice and how angry we are about it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, who's going first? It's you? me. Okay. Kiana's yes. going first. All right, lay it I'm on I'm already me. mad. <laughs> uh, I just, it took me so long to do these notes because I kept reading ahead and just screaming at oh, Zeph. Oh, these are the notes that you were screaming about. Yeah. Gotcha. I was screaming at Zeph, not because he didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I was just screaming at the world in history. <laughs> The best. And listen, I'm going to say some things about white people, and you guys are just going to have to handle it. That's, you know what? (laughs) I take full responsibility for that. Sometimes you just got to take it. So, cheers. (sighs) So, first, my sources. Uh, (laughs) We're drinking cocktails, and Cassie made hers a little strong. It's a little strongest. (laughs) That was her little... (laughs) (laughs) Sources today. Wikipedia. Always leg- always stays good. Usually legit, sometimes questionable. Ava Perones is bad. We'll fix it, don't worry. I'll fix it. <laughs> You'll fix it. Um, also from the Smithsonian website and from the documentary Hawaii's Last Queen. Ooh. Well, this is exciting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. I'm ready. Today I'm talking about Lydia Liliu Loloku Wala Nania. Kama Kea, a.k.a. Lily, Lily Okalani. Wow. Okay, that was a mouthful. Yeah. <clears throat> say that again five so, times fast. Yeah. <laughs> I know you wanted me to say it again, and I was like, listen. So, let me let me preface this. I, I worked real hard this week, not like last week, <laughs> to, get, to get my pronunciations right. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to do my best. 
But again, I have an accent. I don't speak the language. We, we all do we can what do. we can. All we can do is our best. Yeah. All we can do is plug it into Google and say, how do you say this? <laughs> all we can do is say help. So she was the last sovereign of the Kamehameha dynasty and was the last queen of the kingdom of Hawaii. Mm. She was born into nobility on September 2nd, 1838 to Analea Keehoka Lole and Caesar Kapaakea. Solid. Good yes. job. Thank you. According to Hawaiian custom, she, oh, this this is just funny. Um, <laughs> so Hawaiians are uh, usually named, back in the day at least, don't know more about today, linked to an event at their birth. Okay. So her event was the Regent Queen's eye infection. <laughs> <laughs> And her name literally translates to smarting, tearful, a burning pain, sore eyes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what a namesake. Yeah. All right. It's, it, the, it sounds beautiful, though. Like, I don't do it justice. It's, no, I agree. I understand. Funny, funny, funny side note, real quick. Um, I had this very funny conversation once upon a time, my friend, about... I, you know, my mom was like, oh, I should have named you Amaretto because that's what I was drinking when, you know, when you were conceived. Mm -hmm. And my friend Brandy was like, oh, that's why I'm named Brandy. And (laughs) this other guy that we went to school with went, well, my name would be Mountain Dew and Pizza Rolls. And I was (laughs) like, oh, that's a bad day for you. (laughs) So, you know, tearful, watery (laughs) eyes, meat, um, Mountain Dew Pizza Rolls. (laughs) Solid. Okay. Did you, side note again, did you have, almost have another name? Um, yes, but I don't remember what it is. Okay. I think. What was yours? I was, they thought I was going to be a boy. Yeah. My name was Brendan Sebastian Henry. The cutest. Do you want to know something? Yeah. It's fucking Ronald Reagan's lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it, Reagan! My dad liked Ronald Reagan. (gasps) And was like, oh, successful lawyer, I want my kid to be a lawyer. I'm just going to name him exactly what, like, oh, can you imagine me? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh, what's your name from? Ronald Reagan's lawyer. Oh. And then, don't get me started on him. <laughs> don't get, guys, we just barely got past Reagan from last episode. I know. Let's, let's pretend it never happened. Can I, okay. Stacking anecdotes. On top of anecdotes. Do you know where my name is from? I don't. Really? I've never told you this? No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Does it have anything to do with sharks? Ouch. No. Okay. Um, so my name sounds like it means something. So I'm half Micronesian, half white. Mm-hmm. Kiana. People are always like, oh, what does that mean in your language? <laughs> Literally means nothing. <laughs> I was named after Keanu Reeves. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Like, just, like, a female version of Keanu Reeves? Yeah, my dad was like, Keanu, Keanu. My dad, Keanu Reeves was born in Hawaii. Uh Uh-huh. And my dad was like, oh, Hawaiian. I'm Islander, they're Islander. I love the name Keanu, but it's a young lady who's just been born. Mm -hmm. Keanu. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it so much. And I was trying to find, like, movies around the time I was born. Uh Like, that potentially inspired Uh my father. Uh And it's Point Break. (laughs) Oh my god, we just watched that the other night. <laughs> and I love Patrick Swayze. <laughs> yes, it was a whole Patrick Swayze evening. We watched uh, we watched Ghost. Ghost. We watched Point Break. 
I think um, another one came on after that. Dan- Dirty Dancing? No, that had been on before. Roadhouse. Ah, yes. Ding, ding. Roadhouse. I love Patrick Swayze. You love Patrick Swayze. <clears throat> but, funnily enough, I've never seen Point Break or any Keanu Reeves movie. Oh. I want to meet... <laughs> <laughs> the look on Danny's face now. With her hair all crazy, she was like, what in the world is happening? I do want to meet him, though. And she'd be like, I'm I'm you. I'm you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) My B. Back to the story. Bring it back. We're not even done with her name yet. (laughs) (laughs) Because remember, Lydia is thrown in front of her name. Yes. And it was after she was baptized that she was given a Western name. Mm. Done with the naming stuff. Done. When she was four, she was sent to she was sent to a school that was created for the purpose of educating only those eligible for the throne. So it was like I think it was thirteen to fourteen students, mm. all picked by King Kamehameha, um, and the classes were taught by American missionaries, and <clears throat> they specialized in reading, spelling, penmanship, arithmetic, geometry, algebra, physics, geography, history bookkeeping, singing, and English composition. Wow. Yeah. They were getting the gamut yeah. of of the information. That's incredible. Okay. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, not incredible. They didn't I mean, like it. Not great. <laughs> they didn't like it there because um, Liliu comments on it because she wrote a memoir called, memoir called Hawaii's History by Hawaii's Queen. Okay. And she was like, uh, they sent me to bed hungry all the time. Two of my fellow students and relatives, because they're all in line for mm-hmm. the royal throne, uh, contracted measles and died. Oh. Sounds so, like what's happening in Washington right now. Oh. Vaccinate your kids. Vaccinate your <laughs> children. Okay, we're done. Okay. That's all that and that. <laughs> uh, the school was shut down in 1850, and she was relocated to another school where she graduated third in her class. And in addition to finishing her studies, she also toured around the Western world, which was customary for young uh, Hawaiian nobility. Mm -hmm. So she was very well versed in the Western world and the Hawaiian culture. She spent time in the court of Kamehameha IV and in 1862 married John Owen Dominus, who was an American, which isn't always, wasn't always super well received Mm -hmm. for royalty. Yeah. Um, to be intermixing at that time because there was, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get to the injustice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, this is a fun story. So during their courtship, and this is like how they loved each other. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Right up top. Right up top. They were a couple that wanted to be together. Yes. And during their courtship, uh, John fell from his horse and broke his leg. But then still took her home first. (laughs) He was like, no, no, ride upon my steed and I will deliver you to your home before I deal with this bone sticking out of my way. (laughs) (laughs) Tis but a scratch. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Okay. So they married in 1862 and her husband became the governor of Oahu. And then later Maui. And while they lived in Oahu, she was educated further and took informal classes at Oahu College. Um, 
And at this point, she was becoming the most educated woman in the court. Hella smart. Yeah. Um, she was also a really talented composer and wrote the national anthem for Hawaii until oh. it was replaced by her brother's <laughs> own composition. Oh, well. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Injustice number one. <laughs> Keep track, folks. <laughs> <laughs> of the injustices in her life, that is but a blip. That is but a blip. <laughs> you know what? Let's not even call it an injustice. It was yeah. just some bullshit is all that yeah, was. Yeah, just some bullshit. Um, so at this point, she's not really, she doesn't really think she'll ever be queen because there's a bunch of people in front of her. Mm-hmm. But then in 1872, Kame- Kamehameha V died with no heir. And so a legislator elected the next king in a in a unanimous vote. It was Luna Lilo. But due to poor planning on his part, he died two years later without an heir also. (laughs) (laughs) So they had to do another election. And this one went over less smoothly. It wasn't unanimous because uh, in the running was Lily Kalani's brother. Okay. David Kalaka Ua. Ua, probably. Okay. Who was running against um, a woman named Emma, the Dowager Queen of Kamehameha IV. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, Dowager Queen means that she was married to the king and he has passed. Gotcha. But she still retains some right as a royalty. Mm. I had to look it up. <laughs> I never would have guessed it. <laughs> um, what the biggest difference between them was Emma was more pro-British sentiment, sentiment because at this point it was, they were getting influence from the Western world, mm-hmm. but it was split whether it would be more of a British influence or more of an American influence. Gotcha. So Emma was pro-British. David was pro-America. And he ended up winning. And it actually caused a riot in the courthouse. Oh. And both U.S. and British troops were called. And Emma's supporters were arrested. And I think one person died. Ooh. A bunch of people were injured and then one ended up dying. But I apparently didn't write that down. <laughs> Um, David is not one to be trifling, immediately announced an heir. <laughs> he was like, look guys, I'm preparing for this. I know what's going to happen if I die in two years. Exactly. So he announces an heir, which was his younger brother, but then his, his heir died. Oh, <laughs> and then, so that's when Lily Kulani was announced as the, um, next in line for the throne. Okay. Cause David is her brother. And at this point, she was given the royal name Lily, Lily Ukulani. Lily Ukulani. So, so, I think prior to this, she went by Lydia. Oh, okay. Um, I just burped. I'm really sorry. <laughs> In 1881, she became the regent queen, which is just like an honorary position while the actual reigning person is away. Or AKA Queen Cersei. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna... <laughs> GOT reference, guys. It's fine. Um, so she became the regent queen while um, Kala Kau David mm-hmm. went on his 281-day world tour where he did, um, <laughs> wrote down labor stuff. Like, <laughs> he, was, he did labor stuff. <laughs> he was trying you know. to promote Hawaiians, uh, the Hawaii economy. Hawaiian economy. He was trying to promote the Hawaiian economy. Perfect. Um, during this time, Lily Ukulani visited a leper sediment, settlement, mm-hmm. and 
I believe this was like one of the first times that a royal had visited oh, wow. the leper colony. And she was so moved by the meetings that she made Father Damien, who I believe is the real famous guy who was given a yes. sainthood yes. for his work with leper colonies in um, Hawaii. But I could, could be wrong. Could be wrong. <laughs> but I think you're right because I think I read something about that once. Yeah. So he she made him a knight commander of the uh, royal order of Kalaakaua. And convinced the government, uh, the government's board of health, to set aside land for a uh, leper hospital. Oh. Um, she was active. Oh, this wasn't her only um, philanthropic endeavor. She was very active in promoting the welfare of her people. She uh, founded a bank for women in Honolulu named the Liliuokalani Savings Bank. Mm. She set up a money lending group for women in Hilo. And founded the Liliu Kalani Educational Society, which supported the tuition of Hawaiian women seeking education. That's incredible. Yes. Go she, her. Yes. She's Lili, great. Liliu Kalani? Liliu Kalani. Liliu Kalani. Oh, boy. Liliu Kanali. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're a drunk. <laughs> trying really hard. I almost said Yalili Lukalili. It's... Lily Oo. Lily Oo. Kaylani. Kaylani. Yeah. Lily Oo Kaylani. Yes. Oh, look at that. You did it. <laughs> Beacon Hawaiian. <laughs> so she was doing all this stuff, but then David came back, obviously, and she was down. She wasn't Queen Regent anymore. She was just the next in line for the oh, throne. Oh, okay. Just the next in line for just, the throne. Just the heir. Whatever. <laughs> um, and... Get ready for the injustice. Oh, boy. In 1887, she attended Queen Victoria's Golden Jubilee with a group of other royals. And as they were wrapping up their celebrations, uh, they learned that David had signed what is now known as the Bayonet Constitution. That doesn't sound good. Why is it called the Bayonet Constitution? Oh, dear. He signed it under gunpoint. (gasps) Um, Oh. A bunch of Hawaiian businessmen... Oh, I... Oh, girl. I I got tricked. Oh, she's getting feisty. A lot of the, so, the people who have led to the annexation of Hawaii are called Hawaiians because they were technically born there, but let's not be mistaken, they were white American businessmen. They are white folks. They are white men with money who were obviously doing this for the purpose of greed and white supremacy. Yes. You heard it. You heard it here. (laughs) Um... So, but what this bayonet constitution did was removed the monarchy's power in favor of the elite class of businessmen and wealthy landowners that were largely white people. And um, there was one attempt immediately following that attempt to overthrow the constitution, but it failed. Oh, So this is now what the kingdom of Hawaii is under, the constitution, this bayonet constitution. Um, After a few years, the king took another trip to the U.S., with the purpose of nego- negotiating trail- trade deals between the U.S. and the uh, Kingdom of Hawaii, but his health was failing, so it, it didn't look great for him going yeah. over there. Yeah, Liliu was the Queen Regent, but then he died on this trip of Oof. Bright's disease, which, if you remember, that's this, that's what what's her name died of. <laughs> Alice's mother died of Bright's yeah. disease. Yeah, um, and I think 
I don't think a person can die of Bright's disease. I think it's complications due to it. Oh. Because Alice's mother died. During childbirth. During, after childbirth. After, right after childbirth. And it sounded like he got blood poisoning uh-huh. from the complications with Bright's uh-huh. disease. Also, I don't know what Bright's disease is. <laughs> it's, um, I th- believe if I remember, it's a, too much protein in your kidneys. Oh, oh, that's a bad time. Yeah, I think. I'm, I'm going to Google it later. I'm not a doctor. Okay. We're not <laughs> scientists here. <laughs> um, and so after he died, she was next in line. She was the queen now. In her memoir, which I've already mentioned, mm-hmm. she wrote, Sassy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing worthy of record transpired during the closing days of 19... Of, sorry. Of 1890 and the opening weeks of 1891. Which, like, you literally just became queen. Yeah. Something worthy happened. Clearly. Clearly, there's something you're not telling us Quit here. being modest. Quit. Stop it. You're a badass. Come on. <laughs> um, so she took the oath of office and officially became queen. Didn't really get stuff done for the first few weeks because that's a um, time of mourning mm-hmm. for her brother who just died in the past king. But immediately after the time of mourning was done, she was like, okay, I need new cabinet members. And... I need to do my customary visit to all the Hawaiian islands. Um, she wanted new cabinet members, but the cabinet members didn't want to be replaced because Obvi. they were wealthy business owners yeah. who had sort of weaseled their way into David's cabinet. Yeah, they're making they're making things happen. Yeah, threats, for themselves. Threats of violence are um, powerful. Sure are. When you I suppose have... when you have a bayonet pointed at your face. Yeah. Um, so on her visit to the islands, she restored governorship to all of them, which had been abolished under the Bayonet Constitution. Mm-hmm. And she appointed her husband back to his position of governorship of Oahu. Oh. Unfortunately, he died shortly after, I think like seven months into her rule. And she was devastated by his death because like, she felt he knew how to operate in the political circles like, even though she knew she was more of the Hawaiian uh-huh. cultural royal side, and he was leaning more towards the legislative side. Gotcha. But she just, she just carried on. Um, and she made it her life's mission to undo the policies set by the Bayonet Constitution and restore power to herself and the Native Hawaiians. That's right. So, and not just the Native Hawaiians... Hawaii had a large Asian population, and under the Bayonet Constitution, those people were no longer given the right to vote. Oh. And they also had to achieve some sort of, um, the right to vote was given to people at a certain financial standing, so poor people were no longer allowed to vote. No. And, um, the idea of, it's important to note when you talk about indigenous populations and islanders and stuff, that the idea of, like, wealth doesn't usually come very naturally. Okay. Because capitalism was enforced onto them. Yeah. And the idea of, like, land rights. Because yeah, yeah. prior to that, like, land is communal. Mm-hmm. And then you come in, you white people who are white supremacists and capitalists are like, this is the way we do it now. Oh, you don't have any land? Well, we just bought this land. This is our land now. Uh-huh. And so, to get back land, people often went into debt. And because of their fin- lower financial standings, they couldn't vote. And it was really, really shitty. Oh, Lord. And she was like, listen, that was shitty. 
obviously. Also, it was done at gunpoint. Right? How does that... That's not acceptable. Yeah. I mean, it's not acceptable anywhere, anytime. Yeah. Except... Okay, hold on. I had this conversation earlier. The Magna Carta was signed under a little bit of duress. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of duress. <laughs> and, like, that had to have been done. That's a big... It's a big thing. But to compare the Kingdom of Hawaii to the Kingdom of... I mean, it's apples it's, and oranges. Right yeah. <laughs> so, like, I can think of one example of when it's okay. Okay. So she was pushing back. She was like, Bayonet Constitution was shitty, but because white people suck, there was a lot of pushback from the white businessmen and legislators, and they undermined many of her attempts. This was very present um, when they met for what is known as the longest legislature, and for 171 days, they just argued. And it was political inviting, infighting between a bunch of parties and the monarch. Mm-hmm. And remember when she appointed a bunch of new cabinet members? Yeah. They were like, well, we have the right to say no. So we're taking <sighs> these people out of the cabinet, find new people. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there was a, that was like the number one thing they argued about. But then they also argued about a new constitution, a lottery bill, and an op- opium licensing bill. Because oh. at this point, they were struggling economically because mm-hmm. of the McKinley tariffs. <laughs> <laughs> McKinley. Guys, we're coming full circle here. I So last time I was like, oh, it's too bad we never learn why President Nye and McKinley, whatever... If I had a time machine, I'd go back and shoot him myself. Oh, <laughs> We are really hating on McKinley. McKinley, Don't worry. Garbage. We check to make sure that there are no McKinley <laughs> you like, know promoters around. They are, they're dead and gone. And you know what? Come for me. Come for I'm, me. Come at me. <laughs> There's a lot of hills that I'm going to die on, and that's including this one. <laughs> What did I say last time? Die on it. <laughs> yeah, you said, I said I'm going to die on this hill, and you said, oh, die. <laughs> Dying on hills. Every episode, kids. <laughs> okay. 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 Whew. So the fighting. Because of the political division, Luliu couldn't really get anything done. She couldn't have a... She didn't have a balanced council. And um, people... The... The cat, um, the legislator was just dismissing, pe- dismissing people in her cabinet constantly. So she was like, okay, I'm going to replace all the people you've dismissed, but now the- I'm getting these people specifically to make a new constitution because I'm sick of your shit. Yes. It doesn't end well. Dang it. <laughs> injustices <clears throat> upon injustices. So obviously these guys weren't going to take it sitting down and they were pissed and they began to seek to overthrow the monarchy and seek annexation into the U.S. Oh, for Pete's sake. Yes. Um, okay. I'm going to say it was six Hawaiian citizens that I say in quotation marks because they were white businessmen. They were the kids of missionaries. Yeah. They still were very connected to America and they had American um, sentiments and mm-hmm. goals. Five U.S. citizens and one lone German citizen. Okay. To which I say, Elfie to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, like, the way things are written all the time. Yeah. I'm going to rant. (laughs) I literally just wrote, okay, rant. Rant away, girl. 
the way things are written, it made it seem like this was like a civil war in Hawaii. Uh-huh. And that's not what happened. Like, that's 110% not what happened. Absolutely. That's a sh- It was a short rant. And I'm not going to scream because it's late. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's late. We have neighbors. Things could get wild. Yeah. So, even through threats from these guys, she proposed the new constitution. Her and her supporters proposed a new constitution. And two-thirds of the registered voters in Hawaii supported it. Keep in mind that at this, a lot of Native Hawaiians and Asian people couldn't vote. Yeah. So this was two-thirds of the reg- registered voters, but it had much more support outside of that. Yeah. Um, it would... The Constitution would restore right to the monarchy and give voting rights to the economically disenfranchised. However, her opponents, who dubbed themselves the Committee of Safety, Ugh. Uh, backed by the American and European business class residing in Hawaii, threatened a revolution... The queens and her, the queen and her followers were like, "All right, we'll table this for now, you big greedy assholes." <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but unfortunately, the damage had been done, and in the same day that it was announced that they would be stepping down, they learned that the big greedy assholes had already planned a coup. Oh, for Pete's sake! <laughs> Just gonna heavy breathe into the microphone. So they. Learning of the coup, they were like, okay, we need arrest warrants for the safety council, a.k.a. the big greedy assholes, Mm -hmm. and we need to be put under martial law because a coup is coming. Yeah. Um, However, their requests were denied because the big greedy assholes were well-connected to the United States Minister of Hawaii, and (sighs) they didn't like the idea of putting them into martial law because then it would aggravate the situation. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they tried to negotiate, that failed, and after that, the queen was put on the defensive and was put away into the palace, mm-hmm. and she had some people there protecting her. I think about 400, over 400 people were rallied oh, wow. to, to, to protect her in the palace. Um, but then marines and two companies of U.S. soldiers, uh, U.S. sailors, sorry, U.S. sailors landed and took up strategic positions in Hawaii to intimidate her and her followers. They didn't enter the palace grounds or take any buildings, but they literally, like, rolled tanks into the streets. Oh, my gosh! And their present prevented any kind of fighting, including protecting the monarchy itself. (sighs) So the next day, she lost power, and a provisional government was set up under Stanford B. Dole, and officially recognized by their BFF, uh, the United States Minister to Hawaii. Dole is a sugar guy, because Hawaii is known for sugar. Uh-huh. Also, Dole, Dole Pineapples. Oh! He has connections that to that guy. He has connections to that family, and they did have a hand in it, but he, although has the last name Dole, is not specifically Dole. It's not, okay. But, Dole. Dole. <laughs> I was going to say bananas, and then I was like, no, it's famous for pineapples. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> Notable pineapples. <laughs> um, okay. But instead of letting the big greedy assholes lead the government that, that was set up, mm-hmm. she was like, okay, I'm going to temporarily relinqu- relinquish my throne to the United States government. Because they were not acting as the United States government. They were acting as um, lone assailants. Oh, Okay. 
Um, so she sent a letter to President Grover Cleveland, and he was like, this is fishy. <laughs> and sent a commission to investigate her claims and what had happened. And that report concluded that the overthrow of Lily Ukulani was illegal. Yeah! We have a victory. It's we have... not going to end well still, but we have a small victory. <laughs> we have a small victory. Um, it, it was illegal, and Stevens, who was the state uni- United States minister to Hawaii, and everybody else had acted inappropriately. He was like, okay, you can have the throne back if you grant amnesty to everybody responsible. Hmm. And she responded, um, no. Hawaiian Hawaiian law called for property conversation and the death penalty for treason. Oh. Because, like, that's what they did. Yeah. She is like, nope, sorry, this is how we do things. Yeah. And she was like, I, you can talk to the legislator uh-huh. when I'm reinstated, mm-hmm. because, but this is where I'm standing right now. Um, however, her response lost her goodwill uh, to President Cleveland, mm. because presidents aren't great. They <laughs> suck. <laughs> and um, he was just like, okay, Congress, you deal with it. And Congress was like, okay, we'll investigate this. And they were like, no, wait a minute. Nothing was illegal here. Ugh. Dole, you can stay president. Shitty. Shit. Show. Yes. So, the following year, a rebellion was organized with the aim of restoring the queen and the monarchy, but it ultimately failed. And Lily Wu and many of her close friends and supporters were arrested. She was imprisoned in the upstairs bedroom of the palace, which had also been turned into the, like, federal house for the new provisional government. Okay. Um, and during her imprisonment, she actually abdica- abdicated the throne after threats of violence. So it's essentially the bayonet constitution part two. Yeah. And Sans in- the bayonet, but they were still, like... Probably with the bayonet. <laughs> probably. Let's be honest. There's a bayonet probably There's a bayonet. involved. Um, and she wrote, For myself... Uh, in the in her book, she uh, writing uh-huh. about this. Okay. For myself, I would have chosen death rather than to have signed it, but it rep- was rep, but it was represented to me that by my signing this paper, all of the persons who had been arrested, all of my people now in trouble by reason of their love and loyalty towards me, would ultimately be released. Think of my position: sick, a lone woman in prison, scarcely knowing who was my friend or who listened to my words, only to betray me without legal advice or friendly counsel, and the stream of blood ready to flow unless it was stayed by my pen. That's a hell of a Sophie's choice. Yeah. Like, I would rather just take it and be done, but I'm trying to look after the people who have supported me. Yeah. Ugh. Like, she she did it because, the like, from the very beginning, the, mm-hmm. her cabinet members that she had appointed were assisting her in trying to maintain her power. Yeah. And they were imprisoned because of this rebellion mm-hmm. and they were going to be, they were going to die. Yeah. Which like, Ugh. shitty, super shitty. Um, and then she was tried and she was also deemed, um, a key player in the rebellion. And so she was imprisoned, but during this time she composed, she, cause she was a composer remember back to her yeah yeah that's right she wrote songs including the queen the queen's prayer and most famously aloha away 
Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know that song. Everybody knows that song. Yeah. That's like, that's like associated with Hawaii. Yes. That song. And she wrote that? Yep. Composed it, wrote it. While in prison. While in prison. Yep. Oof. Yeah. Um, in 1896, she was given a full pardon for her crimes. Uh, she traveled to Massachusetts. She published a songbook and a memoir called Hawaii Story by Hawaii's Queen. And after the book was published, she split her time between Washington, D.C. and Hawaii, still seeking rights or at least reparations for what had been done. Mm. Um, in 19... Oh, I keep wanting to say 19. I know. That's a hard one. In 1897, she attended the inauguration of a Mr. William McKinley. And then a few months later, that asshole. Oh dear. Went forth and proposed the official annexation of Hawaii. So at this point, it's still a provisional government under Dole. Uh And he was like, oh, you know what? I want Hawaii because. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Specifically because Pearl Harbor. It's very, it's a strategically good place to be. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, surprisingly that didn't go through. Oh. Um, Get my there panties was... in a twist over nothing. <laughs> he oh, and also, so Dole had put forth an education uh, education. Dole had put forth an annexation um, proposal. Yeah, that gave Liliu money. Okay, like a stipend. Uh-huh. McKinley's was exactly the same, but took that out. Oh, <laughs> in justice, and it didn't. It didn't pass. Because while Congress was meeting, Hawaii was like, look at all these signed fucking petitions. Nobody wants to be a part of the U.S. Oh. And so they didn't. Mm -hmm. But then later during the Spanish-American War, Mm -hmm. because of its strategic. Gotcha. um, Yeah, because of the strategic place it was in. It was officially annexed. um, And I actually didn't write down the bill that it was under because I was screaming. Because you're so angry. <laughs> you're just so angry. Oh, my gosh. Not good stuff. It's not good stuff. On August 12th, 1892, uh, 1898, the Hawaiian flag came down from in front of the um, Iolani Palace for the last time, and the U.S. flag was raised. Native Hawaiians boycotted the event, um, but... It's in the documentary. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was really sad because the guy was explaining what had happened. So uh-huh. they took down... It, just imagine a bunch of white Americans. Yeah. And there were, like, snipers watching for any, like, chance of rebellion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Radicals. Hawaiians. Et were locked in their homes because they were didn't want to come out. And the white Americans cut up the flag <gasps> and kept... Cut up the Hawaiian flag and kept... Uh, it as mo- like souvenirs no. for them, f- souvenirs for themselves. Yeah. Oh. And like the God. guy, the guy as he's saying it is like tearing up because it's, it's like devastating. That's, that's, it's <laughs> it's their like culture and everything, and like nobody wanted this to happen. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's such a tragedy. Yeah. And Liliu was alive this whole time. And she was super smart and was going through the legal routes to get it, like, to get her land back and mm-hmm. back to the Hawaiian people. But that never happened. And she fought for it <laughs> until the end of her life, uh, more of a decade of legal pursuits. And in 1911, she was granted a pension of 
$1,250 a month by the territory of Hawaii as her reparations for basically the land, her whole, like, Taking everything. her <laughs> entire empire away. Yes. Um, five, oh, math, six years later, she had started to deteriorate, deteriorate both mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. She didn't, she couldn't, like, tell that she was in her house anymore. Uh-huh. Like, she didn't recognize a lot of her friends. Yeah. She couldn't walk. And her inner circle of friends and caregivers sat vigil for the last two weeks of her life, knowing the end was near. And on the morning of November 11th, Lily Uklani died at the age of 79 in her house. Oh, gosh. What an incredible woman. Yeah. She went through a lot of shit. She went through a whole lot of shit up until, like, she couldn't, like, physically and yeah. mentally could just couldn't anymore. Mm-hmm. And, like, through it all, she turned to, like, her composition and her writing and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's what a lot of Native Hawaiians still hold on to as their, like, culture. And, like, after this happened, the Hawaiian language was banned. Like, you couldn't speak it. Oh my gosh. And let me... Let me get on this. Yes, Let me hop please. on this one. Hop on this I soapbox. Didn't, I didn't... I didn't... Preach. This is just a small thing, but also not because... The word haole comes up a lot uh-huh. when you talk about white people in Hawaii. Yeah. And it roughly translates to soulless ones. Oh. <laughs> okay. Which, like, you know. <laughs> sure. Sure. And a lot of people have lately, not lately, a lot of people kind of equate it to the N-word. It's like, you can't say that. Oh, but also, no. the N-word has years of <laughs> power struggles like and Hundreds oppression. Of oh, and, my gosh. Oh, I just hit something. <laughs> And there's just, you can't, you can't, (laughs) you can't equate those words because white people were never oppressed. In fact, they got the whole, all of the islands of Hawaii. All the time. And you know what? Just deal with it. No. I'll call, I'll call you a Howley if I want. I'm not Hawaiian. And (laughs) Howleys and, and all the things, because you know what? You can say those words because, because, oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to die. I'm also going to die on that hill. (laughs) (laughs) Hills over here. Hills over there. Dead bodies everywhere. My body chopped up on different hills. I've died on all of them. (laughs) Oh, Just a mountain range of hills that I've died on. Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah. That was a great story. Thank you. She's incredible. Not a lot of funny stuff in there. No, you know what? I opened with sore eyes and the, ended with uh, injustice. Injustice. I think that's, I mean, sore, sore, watery, itchy eyes. I feel like could have been called injustice number one. <laughs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> like you got, could you imagine being like, oh, my name means beautiful bird upon the sea or something and you're like I'm itchy watery eyes <laughs> and then you got that guy who goes do you have dry red eyes <laughs> oh gosh good stuff where are those commercials man mm. I miss them they were real fun they were good good stuff <sighs> All right. Well, I guess that means it's my turn. It is. All right. Mm. And also, it's going to be sad, right? It's going to be sad. <laughs> this isn't a fun episode. It's not. Things, injustices, is, we're just going to 
title this injustice part one because in 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 the history of women it is just injustice upon injustice upon injustice one after the other one after the other (laughs) we just can't escape them we haven't been treated very nicely (laughs) and (laughs) hashtag understatement of the year (laughs) that's gonna be trending Okay, so, on this injustice wagon that we're on, my, my broad with Moxie this, this week is someone that I have never heard of up until I was listening to a book called Broad Strokes, 15 Women Who Made Art and Made History in That Order. And I was like, what a good title. I loved it. Um, It's by Bridget Quinn. So I'm listening to this, and it's about, um, like I said, 15 different women who made art and history. And she happened to be one of the women that she talked about. And I was like, that is, first of all, insane. Her art sounded super interesting. And it it is. It's fascinating. Um, But also I was like, I cannot wrap my brain around how her story ends. So I was like, I have to write about her. Don't worry. The other 14 women have already gone on the list of people to talk about. <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> okay. So. I'm so excited. Um, uh, this broad with Moxie, uh, her name is Anna Mendieta. Oh, I don't know that. You ever heard of her? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Anna Mendieta was born in Havana, Cuba on November 18th, 1948. So she's also a Scorpio. <laughs> I did not realize I was doing two Scorpios <laughs> until just just a little while ago when I was looking through my, my notes here. We've done a lot of women in the 40s. Oh, yeah, we have. Which is weird. Huh. It's, it's... I like it. It was a good... Clearly there were a lot of incredible women coming out of there. World War Two. Yeah. Yep. Uh, World War Two was one of the women. It was. I don't know why I said that. It was. It was. World War Two was the one with all the women doing all the things. Oh, yeah. Kicking ass and taking names. Yeah. Give me a moment. I'm going to take my very warm sweater off. I'm going to get schwitzy. <laughs> we get. Woo. This, we record in a cold room, but when me or Cassie starts talking, we just start sweating because we get so nervous and oh, girl. excited. <gasps> and Danny is putting my sweater. She's already got two pairs of sweatpants <laughs> and a blanket and a blanket. She's part lizard. Nobody knows this. Just me. Okay, uh-uh. Anna Mendieta. No. Born in Havana, nineteen forty-eight. She came from a very uh, prominent family. Her father, Ignacio was a lawyer and worked for the Secretary of State. And her mother, Raquel, was a doctor of chemistry and physics. Oh, so, so Raquel was a, that bitch, too. She was. She she would, I mean, I'm sure she would be, like, crazy interesting to write about. I should look into her more. So, yeah, like, super smart, like, very well-to-do family. Um, she had an older sister, um, named Raquelline, 
and a younger brother who apparently has no name because I could not <laughs> find it anywhere. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I tried to find it and I just couldn't. So I was like, brother, no name. I don't know. Uh, so... <laughs> it's usually it's usually the woman like it's usually the right? wife or the daughters that it's just they're just wife or daughter mm-hmm. who's listed but then always you know sons and things but no he's just he's there no name okay so we're in Cuba it's 1961 Fidel Castro takes power mm-hmm. and people are like oh this is bad <laughs> <laughs> Things are going to go downhill from here. So, uh, families started to send their children out of the country um, to other places, but a lot of them came to the U.S. So, so Ignacio uh, is basically asked to join the Communist Party. Mm-hmm. You got it. like, you know, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to get on out of here. So, he resigned. And joined the anti-Castro counter-revolutionary force. Uh, and w- became a correspondent for the CIA. Ooh. Oh. <sighs> Ooh. The CIA. Ooh. Yeah. They're listening. Oh. Yeah. They, <laughs> I mean, ding, ding. You know that, that little ding ling ling that you keep hearing? CIA, for this, sure. My stomach growling? <laughs> it's also, it's a CIA living in Kiana's guts <laughs> i'm not pregnant <laughs> thank god <clears throat> not that that not that we don't want you to someday if you want to but not right now i don't want to Good. if i have a ki- if i have a kid it'll be like as devastating as an oil spill <laughs> <laughs> we need to take care of this gulf it is called the gulf of kiana's lady parts <laughs> We need to... Oh, I can't. I cannot. <laughs> Anna and her and her older sister, Raquelene, uh, left Cuba via Operation um, Pedro Pan, which is funny because it's Peter Pan. It's Operation yeah. Peter Pan, but in Spanish it's Pedro Pan. Yeah. And that made me laugh really hard. <laughs> Without their parents. So it's just Anna and Raquel. Mm-hmm. Raquelene. In September of 1961. So they get on this plane and fly to Miami along with like 14,000 other children. So I thought this was funny. So when they landed, Anna, who is 12 years old at the time. Oh. Um, she, this is what her sister says this in, in an interview that I watched. Um, she, quote, dropped to her knees, kissed the tarmac, and exclaimed, freedom! Freedom at last! <laughs> just like, you're 12. Oh, you're so 12. <laughs> you're, you're a drama queen. queen. You drama queen tween cannot deal. Also, don't kiss the tarmac. That's don't gross. kiss the tarmac. That's filthy! Ugh, I can't. So many chemicals. So many. It's not good. <laughs> Her and her sister are sent to Dubuque, Iowa, which I know that you, neither of you have ever been to Dubuque, Iowa. If anybody's from Dubuque, Iowa, please just shoot us a little, shoot us a little message and tell us just how flat and boring and terrible it is. 
Look, I grew up in South Dakota, and I know about flat and boring. Dubuque is... Oh, it's bad. Have you been? I have. Oh. And it's just... It's just flat. There's nothing around. There's just... Why are you moving? Am I too loud? No. I'm popping my peas, Ooh, guys. I've got an aggressive pea Crap. popper. <laughs> Dubuque, Iowa. Terrible. Flat <laughs> cornfields everywhere. In Dubuque, they go to basically like a Catholic orphanage, which is actually more like a reform school mm-hmm. for wayward teens. Oh, no. So they're like, this is not the best. However, they both had a fairly... I don't know, average American, like, teenage experience. Uh, for the 60s? For the 60s. So bad. <laughs> pretty, pretty rough. Also, completely not English speakers mm. at all. Like, Ooh. so being in the middle of, you know, hometown USA. In the 60s. In the 60s, where no one speaks Spanish, is a very... It's a, it's a big learning curve in trying to, like, get through yeah. that. But she was, you know, happy, healthy teenager. She was this free spirit, very energetic, very sociable. Um, also really sarcastic and kind of a wise-ass. Mm-hmm. Um, she discovered art in high school. And because her sister also painted, and when she was in high school and took art class, she was like, oh... Oh, this is fun. I kind of like this. Although her teachers were like, you're kind of terrible at this. Oh. <laughs> They're like, you have no talent. Oh. Um, you should re- focus on your studies. Focus on being a real smart girl because you're not going to go anywhere with this. Teachers should uh, never <laughs> say that. <laughs> never. But you know what? In the 60s, they were saying all sorts of terrible things. Oh, you're right. Like uh, the N-word. Like the N-word. <laughs> Bad stuff. But she carried on, and oh my god, I'm taking my sock off. Okay, I got I got hot I got hot feet, hot feet. God. I went the opposite direction, <laughs> but then Danny looked at me and I was like, she can hear me. She can hear all the sh- all the shuffling, ruffling. Oh gosh. Teacher said she had no talent, and she went. Well, that's tough because I enjoy this, so I'm just going to keep doing it. Damn right. She always said uh, that her career choices were either to be an artist or a criminal. So, clearly one thing went well. Girl after my heart. Exactly. (laughs) She's like, look, one of these things is going to happen. Thankfully, it was the artist. The artist (laughs) path and not the criminal path or we'd be talking about a very different story. Hmm. Still a valid uh, story of a woman. Absolutely. 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 In 1966, she uh, was attending the University of Iowa, finally reunited with her mother and her younger brother. Unfortunately, she didn't get to see her dad until 1979 because he was um, in a Cuban political prison Mm. because of the... um, his part in the Bay of Pigs invasion. Yeah. When <laughs> you said... It's a thing. You said Cuban, pro-CIA, 
in Cuba, <laughs> and I was like, mm, the Bay of Pigs mm, is going to be brought up, and it's not going to be good. good. <laughs> yeah. So he spent eight, I don't know if I said it, but he spent 18 years Ooh. in a in a Cuban prison. Eee. Not great. Yeah. I would, I'd spend my time doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Although I tell you what, reading about her story and the things that were happening in her life, mm-hmm. uh, was, I was like... I learned so many things. I know I learned about them, like, in high school, mm-hmm. but I was clearly not paying attention in high school. <laughs> and so going back, I was, I told Danny, I was like, I know what the, what the Cuban Missile Crisis is. Yeah. Hold the <clears throat> phones, guys. I am in the know. Have you ever read 13 Days? I haven't. Is it good? It's, it's. I mean, I know it took thirteen days. It, it'll it'll shake you to your core. Oh God, I don't know. If it's it's about the negotiation oh, that were happening. Interesting. Can, I should it, listen like, to it. Yeah, we it's, should all listen to it because or read it. I yeah. Suppose. I when I say listen to it, I just mean like I'm listening to an audiobook. Yeah. Because that's all I do at work all day, and it's a nonfiction. Oh, interesting. So it's purely educational. I'm putting that on my list. Okay, University of Iowa. Reunites with her mother and brother. At the University of Iowa, she was received um, a Bachelor of Arts in Art in 1969 and a Master's of Art in Painting in 1972, which is kind of hilarious because she fought super, super hard to get into this painting department mm-hmm. because, because it's the 60s, it's very, like... It's a man thing. You know, you have to be, you have to be this or you have to be that. <laughs> and so she got in, killed it, got her, <laughs> got her master's in painting. And then she was like, thanks, bye. <laughs> and moved into the MFA, which I don't know. Oh, it's a master of fine arts. Oh, okay. Um, Intermedia program. So it's just. It's not painting, it's not this, it is, it is all the things smushed together. She discovered her love for capturing images and movement with, like, a cool, you know, Super 8 camera. Yeah. Gotta get those movies. Gotta get those movies made. (laughs) Has nothing to do with that. But she was helping, (laughs) she was helping a friend and was like, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. I bet you I could do some really interesting stuff with this. And she did. Uh, in 1973, she traveled to Mexico and began her Silhouetta series, which is just Silhouette. So basically, her first big series of artwork mm-hmm. um, was her using her body and either like pressing it into... Like a pile, like sand. Yeah. And so it would be her silhouette. Or she would just kind of draw her silhouette and then fill it with leaves mm-hmm. or ashes or sticks or rocks. So all of this whole series is just these female figures. What, like I said, whether it be impressions of her body or just outlines that she's mm-hmm. made of her body. Uh, which is, re- it was, it's really cool. They're really interesting. Um, also, she did some work where she would cover herself in in things. Like, 
she would stand there nude and like mm-hmm. cover herself with feathers or leaves or kind of paint her body with different things. There's this really cool one called the Tree of Life. Mm-hmm. And she looks like she's camouflage painted in like, and she's standing right in front of a tree. So she blends into it. Ooh, damn. Yeah, it's really cool. That's like, um, Peta in the Hunger It's like Peta in the Hunger Exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly. It's really cool. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. So I put a little note here. Uh, when I was trying to think in my brain how to describe the Silhouetta series, I put, imagine Wiley Coyote and his outline on the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. But much more artistic. (laughs) Much more artistic than that. I do have a funny story of my own to interject just right quick. The first and last time I ever went skiing. Mm -hmm. Mind you, this is in South Dakota. We have hills. We don't have mountains. Mm -hmm. Hills that I'll die on. Yes. (laughs) So close. I'm at the top of the hill. Well, I'm going up. I dropped one of my ski poles. Bless. So I was like, how do I get it back? And the guy at the top of the hill was like, well, you gotta go down and get it. It's like, oh, okay. I've only been on the bunny hill so far, but I guess I'll try this. So I go down. It was very scary. I started going very fast. Nobody told me that if you curl up in a little ball, you speed <laughs> down there like a little... Like a bullet. I was... Too cra- I was too afraid to cross my skis because I didn't want to just eat shit yeah. on my face. Yeah. Um, so I completely blasted past my ski pole. I tried to- <laughs> I tried to like lay on my back and spread my arms. Oh, okay. And just like snow plow myself. Well, the snow like boop popped me back up like a punch. <laughs> <head>. <laughs> Throw up. You were going that fast. It was a nice balmy day, and the sun was out, and I think it had kind of melted the snow on top, and then like kind of hardened it into like an ice pack almost. Yeah. So I am racing down the hill like a speeding bullet, and I was like, "Here it comes!" And I ran smack dab into the light, the side of the cube. <laughs> I thought I had gone through the wall, Wiley Coyote style, and that there was just gonna be a cutout in the shape of me, hands up, just boom, right, just right through the wall. I didn't. You were going so fast. I was going so fast. Okay, so aftermath. <laughs> I went, I am done with this shit. I took my skis off and I walked inside up these stairs with people looking out the window. (laughs) I I swear to God. And somebody went, did you didn't 
shatter your arm. I can't breathe. I like, I like pictured you going down pretty fast, but you popped back up like you had to be zooming. I was zooming, girl. I need. I've never moved that fast ever in my life. And it was, I was like, well, this is for the birds. I'm not doing this anymore. And I haven't. Oh, God. Oh, my right. God. Ooh, really back in. Guys, I thought I was schwitzing before. I am. I'm sweating again. Kiana's taking her sweatshirt off. Things are getting wild. I feel like I just went on a run. It's a good one. That's, I think that's my mom's favorite story ever. Oh, she loves it. Oh my god. It cannot. Alright, bringing it back. Bringing it back. It's a good thing we had a good laugh in there, kids, because this is gonna go downhill quickly. Oh oh no. Oh yes. I forgot this is the setup. This is injustice all over the place. Where are we? Uh, Oh yeah, I was at Wiley Coyote Outline. Okay. Uh, Anna was very interested in religion, um, specifically paganism and Santeria. I don't practice Santeria. <laughs> Loved I ain't it. Got no crystal ball. Kiana's <laughs> just gonna break down some sublime. For us. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> guys. We should have stuck to maybe one cocktail. Ooh, Ooh girl. Ooh. It's getting hot. It's getting hot in here. So tank up. Okay, I'm done. Okay. Okay. What were you saying? Santeria. Oh, oh yeah. Sublime. <laughs> Other weird shit. The same year. So let's see. So 1973, when she went and did the Silhouette series. The same year she performed what was called Untitled. In parentheses, rape scene. Which, we're taking a deep dive into the darkest of the dark. So she did this in her apartment. Mm -hmm. She set up a scene. I'm not going to describe it. Yeah. But you can go, there's pictures, there's a short, I think there's a short, um, like, video clip Mm -hmm. of this demonstration that she did. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and she did it in response to the rape and murder of a girl on campus. Okay. Uh, her name was Sarah Ann Ottens. I feel like I have heard of yes. um, her. Because the, sil- the Silhouette series sounded familiar. Oh, okay. And this is sounding familiar. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, so she did this. Sh- uh, shortly after that, she also made um, the video... Excuse me. It's called Sweating Blood. Um, basically, it's a short video of blood just kind of dripping down her face. Mm-hmm. All of her stuff, very visual. Uh, she also did one called Body Tracks, where she puts her arms in red paint and then puts her arms up on this big canvas and then just kind of lets them drag down. Mm-hmm. It's very visceral. Mm-hmm. Um, so she did lots of this... Uh, lots of this art and used her own body to address violence against women. Yeah. And just kind of general 
um, you know, depictions of violence in general, but also specifically committed against women. Committed against women. Because she was like, this is some bullshit because of because of all the stuff that went along with the um, investigation of Sarah Ann Ottens. In the mid-70s, she started to have a bunch of international exhibits. Um, I know that there were some in Europe, there were a whole bunch in the United States. She was just kind of starting to really get into feel, you know, feeling herself and figuring out her her style and what she wanted to do. Um, all of her art really came from this idea of feeling like she had been ripped away from where she belongs mm-hmm. and this feeling of like displacement. So doing doing the Silhouetta series and doing these other installments that had to do with nature and putting herself into the earth and into things mm-hmm. was her way of kind of communing with nature and Mother Earth and feeling like she belonged somewhere, which I thought was really beautiful. Uh, she also, in the mid-70s, became involved with, quote, the dialogue, which was uh, the Dialogo, which is an advocacy effort led by Cuban exiles to promote reproachment between Cuba and the U.S. So she's like, look, my father is still in prison, still in Cuba. Yeah. None of the Cuban exiles were allowed to go back to Cuba. They're like, you're gone. You can't ever come back. Yeah. So in, in order to try and fix this, they started this advocacy group. Uh, one of their main requests was family reunifications. So, all these discussions actually led to family reunication, reunification under Jimmy Carter in 1979. So, yay, daddy's home. <laughs> 1979, he actually got to leave and was let out of prison. Everything was great. While she was... Um, in 1980, after this reunification happened, mm-hmm. she was one of the first Cuban exiles to return to the island. Oh. Which was crazy. And she went to visit other Cuban artists. So basically, she came and was like, let's talk about this. We've There's been such a disconnect for so many years. This is what's happening here. Tell me about what you know what the art is like here what are you guys allowed to do what can't you do yeah and help to change some of those things um in 1979 she moved to new york city and joined it's called the artists in residence and had her her first solo exhibit at the air gallery the Artists in Residence Gallery, which is, um, it's the first all-female artists cooperative gallery in the U.S. Damn. So, all women going, you know what? Everybody deserves to see what we can do and have us show our works to the world. Yeah. We're going to do it, and there's not going to be any men involved to, to do this or that or tell us that we can't. They get every other museum. Exactly. Exactly. Give us this This one. This is going to be 
our spot. At this exhibit, she met um, Carl Andre, who is her future husband. He is a minimalist sculptor. He does some weird stuff. He's super famous and, like, still does shows. Oh, he's alive? Yes. Okay. Uh, so, I think so. I think the last thing I read... It was... I mean, he might not be he didn't today. Have, he didn't have a date of death. He No. Not that I... Not that I came across. He does weird stuff, but he's super famous. So, they meet, um... And eventually, you know, several years down the road, they end up getting married. So this is um, <laughs> a, a thing that I wrote, a quote of hers, in, in reference to feminism. So she said, American feminism as it stands is basically a white middle class movement. Yeah. Preach, girl. Definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So as, as a woman who grew up in America, but mm-hmm. was in exile from Cuba, she is real disenfranchised. She's like, we get it. Mm-hmm. But really, feminism is more than just what you middle class New York artists yeah. are dealing with. Um, Something I've read, because when you think about this time, mm-hmm. women were really fighting to be in the workforce, mm-hmm. but it was like white women, mm-hmm. mostly. And then the people who took up their jobs, quote, mm-hmm. uh, in the homes were black women, mm-hmm. um, Latina women. And they were the ones who were taking care of the kids. They weren't being paid well. They didn't have Absolutely. any unions. They didn't have any rights as those workers. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you aren't deserving of the, like, secretary jobs and stuff that we're opening the doors to women employment. Exactly. Exactly. And it, Yeah. This whole thing is, like, there's more to this than than you fighting for this. Mm -hmm. There's a whole other group of women who are vastly underrepresented and are not being treated well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So she's real disenfranchised. And eventually, because because of that and some other tensions, she eventually ended up leading, uh, leaving artists in residence, but... I think had a fairly good experience while she was there. Yeah. Uh, she was awarded the John Simon Guggenheim Foundation Fellowship and the National Endowment for the Arts Grant, which uh, both of those are super prestigious things to receive. Did your last, did, um, oh, what's her name? Hadid? Oh, did she get the Guggenheim award, or is that she Guggenheim's didn't... just a big deal, and he has a bunch it's of just... awards named after him? Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, it's a very, it's a very big, very fancy, important um, museum in New York. Mm-hmm. She show she had shows there and had a big retrospective there, but I don't think she received this. Okay, um, and then also she received the Rome Prize, um, and from mm-hmm. what I gathered from that. Again, super, super prestigious for really, like, forward thinking. They're like, you're going somewhere with your art Mm -hmm. kind of prize. You know, kind of award. Mm -hmm. Um, After she won the Rome Prize, things went straight down. 
-hmm. just like highest of the high doing incredible, really working toward, if not at working toward the peak of her, you know, of her art and her, you know, her videos and stuff that she was doing. And now we're getting to the sad. It's not great. So in 1985, she married Carl Andre. From the very beginning, it was a very tumultuous relationship. Uh, They had super, super bad fights, especially uh, when there was alcohol involved. Yep. And she had always suspected of uh, Andre of having multiple affairs. So from what I read, she had gone to talk to a lawyer about divorce. Mm -hmm. Things ensued. And then... Uh, September 8th, 1985, which is less than a year into their marriage. I think it was only, like, eight months. Yeah. She, quote, unquote, fell from her 34th floor apartment window. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Window? Window. There's so much... This... You know how you were like, um, I was screaming? Mm-hmm. When I was reading this, my blood was boiling. Mm-hmm. Because, you know what? The husband did it! The husband did it <laughs> every, every time. Every time. Oh my gosh, the husband did it. And, like, my thing is if it was like, oh, she fell out of the bal- off the balcony. Yeah. That's like, oh, she fell off the balcony. Still suspicious. A window? Yeah. A window. So, um, Mm. that night, neighbors had heard a woman screaming, no, 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 no. And Andre was seen when when the people got there Mm -hmm. with scratches on his face. Oh, so he did it. Oh, he did it. (laughs) He straight up murdered. Yeah. Um... There's no way. Everybody who knew Anna was like, they're, they tried to say it was suicide. And they're mm-hmm. like, there is, n- she was at the height of her career. Yeah. And yes, she was dramatic. And she had very big, bold opinions and things to say. Mm-hmm. But there's no way she would have committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, after investigating a little bit deeper, she's really tiny. Yeah. She's like just under five feet tall, I think. Oh. And she's super, t- like, petite. I'm 5'2", and I'm like, I'm tiny, but she is very petite. Less than 5 feet tall. She weighs, like, 90 pounds. She's, she's bite-sized. Yeah. <laughs> Not fun size. Bite-sized. So there's, like, no way she would have had to, like, climb up on a chair and do this whole thing. It would be one thing if she was like, oh. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going Follow. to perish yeah. is one thing. But to have to go through this whole rigmarole of, like, climbing up on top of this and, you know, wiggling her way through this window, etc. Yeah. So they were like, this is... And also her husband has scratches on his face. Right? Yeah. Huge bullshit. Not to mention, there were, like, three conflicting stories. He gave one story to... Um, he gave one story to the cops. He gave one story to these people. He gave one story to the 911 operator, which I am not going to say verbatim 
because that bastard does not deserve that at all. Yeah. But what he alluded to was, um, we're both artists and she's upset because I'm more famous than she is. And she threw herself (laughs) out the window. (laughs) (laughs) Saved, I saved that gag for you to finish. Ugh. Oh my gosh. I literally could not... It was so I'm listening to the I'm listening to the book, listening mm-hmm. to just a little snippet, quite frankly, of this part of the story. Mm-hmm. I called Danny on my break and went, You are not going to believe this shit. <laughs> and so wild. Wild yeah. in the worst way. This is not good. No, it's not. <laughs> so he's Murder bad. He's arrested for murder. Oh bless. But, nope. No. no, Why did I say bless? I knew this was going to be sad. You knew it was going to end badly. He's acquitted in 1988 because um, uh, they did not prove beyond a reasonable doubt. That'll get it. Um, Furthermore, this whole time, he's, he was indicted, I think he was indicted three different times. And... Eventually, he asked to be tried by a judge alone because he, quote, wanted to avoid dealing with a jury of women that might possibly be swayed by the, quote, so-called feminist issue. And I was like, no. I want to choke this microphone and scream. Just (laughs) raging. Just, like, right now, my my blood pressure's up. This is not good for anybody. (laughs) Yeah, all of it. I was oh just God. like, I cannot deal with the injustice of this woman who was only, oh gosh, 36. Was um, was he acquitted with, when he met with that judge individually? Yeah. I hate. Hate. <laughs> hate. I hate I cannot. This. I can't. Oh and my God. The, and quite frankly, right from the beginning... It was a very, like, split down the middle, like, Anna's side, Carl's side. Yeah. And the people on Carl's side were like, there's no way he would have done that. He loved her, blah, blah, blah. But also, he's a super, super rich artist living in the upper east side. I don't know if it's the east side. <laughs> of Manhattan. Yeah. In a giant high-rise Clearly, there Clearly. Was drinking problems, perhaps. There are things happening um, that suggest violence. Also narcissistic. So much narcissistic. He's an egomaniac. I don't understand could not. why he got to meet with the judge individually when that was his reasoning. That, I don't I don't. I can't figure it out, but it was his choice. Like, I can either just have this judge, who was a man... Yeah. Who was a man. Judge me and mm-hmm. just me. Or I can risk putting myself at the mercy of a jury where they're going to be women who are going to get their panties in a twist yeah. because this is a quote unquote feminist issue. Also, like, how often is it that all, every person in a jury is a lady? Right? Jury of your peers. So after after this, 
huge protests. Mm-hmm. Huge protests. Um, so, like I said, Andre continued to show art. Yeah. Um, and there would be protesters carrying picket signs saying, where is Anna Mendieta? Or, I wish Anna Mendieta was, was still alive. Mm-hmm. And they... Um, several times dumped chicken blood and guts outside of his exhibitions. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So just in all caps, I just said, fucking toxic masculinity, BS. (laughs) Because it's just from, like, from the inception of these two meeting, it's just like, if, if he hadn't had any kind of Ugh. you know, influence on her. Yeah. She could still be making incredible pieces of art yeah. today. Oh, yeah, because she... She would be 60. Yeah. Right? Let's see. 18. She would be about 61. Yeah. So, it's it's absolutely upsetting. So, her legacy, um, she did ground babe, ground baking... Oh, my Ground baking. Ground breaking (laughs) earth body works became a symbol of the sexism and injustice of the art world. Her work still shows and exhibits all over the world. And there's been other artists uh, who created their own pieces in tribute to her. And there have been several books written about her life and her impact on the art world. And it's just, it's just such a tragedy that she she had her, her work was so interesting and had such like deep meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. And she had such strong feelings about connecting to other women and connecting to the earth and just really like living in her, in her, her womanness. Yeah. And it's just like, ugh. And not just like her womanness, but also like her identity as a non-white woman and absolutely, like, absolutely the intersections between what it means to be an immigrant and what it means to be a lady. And yes, absolutely. So fantastic. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, um, some of my my things I got stuff I got things from the Guggenheim the NSU Art Museum uh, from Fort Lauderdale actually did... They had her older sister come in and do... Like, she was... They, they were doing a posthumous show of her work there. Some of it had never been seen before. Excuse me, not her sister. Her niece. So her sister's mm. daughter. Okay. And they had her come in and kind of present. It's called The Films of Anna Mendieta. Um, and I just found it and list, like watched it on YouTube, mm-hmm. and I got some of you know got some of this information from there, and from an article in the Guardian, and then also side note to this, read a really good article, mm-hmm. um, called Carl broke something, oh. on Carl Andre Anna Mendieta and the cult of the male genius. Oh. Oh. So it's just, it breaks down kind of what happened Mm -hmm. and 
bullshit reasons how we got to this place. It was just really good. And I was like, hmm, I'll have to read that. some good stuff. Yeah. Send me a link. I will absolutely send you a link. And I can add a link on some other things, like our our such and things. What Mm. are they called? Where we talk to people and show them what we're doing. And, oh. Social media. Are you talking about our social media? <laughs> I am. Our our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at that broad's got moxie. That's right. That's where. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. And if you if you have any, I like to say questions, comments, concerns. <laughs> um, yeah. If you have any, if you have any suggestions, if you have any corrections, let us know. We wanna we wanna make sure we have accurate information about all this um also tell us about the the broads with moxie in your lives don't think you said our our email address i didn't i haven't okay okay (laughs) so email us at that broads got moxie at gmail.com um and rate review and subscribe rate review and subscribe guys we're having a lot of fun with this This is episode three. I really feel, I feel great. I really feel good about this. Um, I'm learning a lot. Yeah. And it's it's like, I feel like all three of your women I hadn't heard of before. Except for Julia Child. Yeah. Yeah, like. Who I vaguely knew. And that's just the thing. I feel like there's so, like, we just hear names. You hear this name or you hear that name and you're like, oh, I've heard that name. In in history or mm-hmm. in this video or on that thing, but I don't know who any of them are or how their story or exactly or how they died or how how they lived and what they created or what changes they made happen. Mm-hmm. We don't know. You know, it's it's just always it's so overlooked, and we want to give you guys the deets about these incredible incredible women Mm -hmm. doing all the things yeah and like for our women out there who are women of color there's a lot of them who have not been entered into mainstream or even exactly kind of like outer stream yeah even just a small stream you've been (laughs) overlooked for far too long and if you want us to do some research and cover specific women do email us please because we're always open to suggestions our like i said our list is just it's it got longer by 14 people after listening to this one book and it just keeps growing because there are so many infinite infinite number of incredible people out incredible women out there who who history has just bloop, 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 like mm-hmm. forgotten you know forgotten or just breezed right past or very um explicitly took them out of the narrative or that too <laughs> and that mostly that yeah a lot of that <laughs> they were like you know what history is written by a bunch of old white guys we're just gonna casually blow past this and pretend you never existed or did anything yeah we're gonna smash the patriarchy and we're gonna talk about i'm gonna punch it in the face and then die on a hill (laughs) (laughs) uh left right and center dead kiana's on hills um yeah that's it guys thanks for listening yes thanks for listening stay moxie stay moxie bye bye